holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. You're now leaving the hand, leaving the team in the hands of uh, Leanne and uh, Aaron. Uh, Aaron. That's it um, for the next uh, for the next kind of couple of weeks. Obviously, um, you do your homework. <laughs> <laughs> I always it's, it's his surname. I always go to say Anton. That's yeah, the thing. No, 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 Aaron Dantino. That's what I'm But obviously. And welcome to the Arsenal Women Askcast on askblog.com, the only and by process of elimination, therefore the best podcast dedicated solely to the Arsenal women's team. As ever, I'm joined by our co-host Pippa Monique. Pippa, how are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Probably um, got a few extra pounds after Christmas. Not the <laughs> type of pounds I want. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Pippa, I understand you have a new show coming in the new year. Would you like to tell Yay! the listeners about it? I'm super excited about this. So um, there'll be a new show on AFTV platform on YouTube uh, dedicated to the Arsenal women's team. But not only that, it'll be covering WSL as a whole. So there'll be a weekly show uh, with some guests. Hopefully I'll get you on, Tim. Awesome. And um, we'll be covering the WSL as a whole. So I'm really excited. So make sure you look out for that. Excellent stuff, excellent, and uh, and obviously really good that I know you've done a lot of stuff for AFTV um, yeah. around the women's team as well. But like really, really good on uh, you know on Robbie and, and everyone for kind of giving that that platform on a weekly basis as well. I think that's yeah, uh, that's fantastic, um, and obviously great for you as well to you know to be able to present your own show every week uh, on yeah. on there. So awesome stuff. Um, well, this week uh, we're going to talk about. Um, a subject that I think, relatively speaking, gets probably even more discussion in the women's game than it does the men's game. Uh, we're going to talk about individual awards. Um, given that, you know, award season has just passed, but also people are publishing like teams of the decade and, and, and stuff like this. But um, so to d- discuss, uh, you know, of women's football individual awards like as a concept and whether our own Vivian Miedema is perhaps unfairly overlooked in yeah. uh, in such awards we're going to talk to uh, women's football journalist the Attenborough um, of women's football Sophie Lawson Sophie thanks so much for joining us uh, no worries Sophie I know this is um, this is a subject that you've written a lot about you've certainly tweeted a lot about um, over the years so uh, just as a bit of a warm-up question I'm going to ask do you think that individual awards and to clarify what we mean by that we're talking really about things like the Ballon d'Or the FIFA Pro World Eleven, um, the best which I think is also distinct from the Ballon d'Or now confusingly enough do you think individual awards sh- like this should exist in a team sport at all I, I I like the idea of them in theory, but I think as we've seen time time again in women's football specifically, it's it's just a horrible horrible popularity contest that we end up with. 
Yeah, yeah, and 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 I think that those are words exactly that uh, Vivian Miedemi used uh, yeah. with me, for example, and and we might touch on that in a bit. But I guess um, my other question would be: Should we think of them differently in women's football compared to men's football? Because in men's football, I think everyone really knows that they're just kind of. Uh, a fairly cynical PR exercise and it's been a bit different in men's football because they've just been very obviously dominated by two players and mm. rightly so over the last <laughs> decade or so. Do you think in women's football we should think of them any differently or do you think there is some value in them you know, as a promotional opportunity to showcase the best of the women's game? I think if you're putting women's awards next to men's at the same show you can <coughs> you can always use that platform and you can actually show relevant highlights of the players and you can try and shine more focus on, on the women's game but it's it, too often we see the women's awards used too much as a, a footnote or a you know a, a, something very much on the side with the, with the men's award the um the, the, the main event so and you know it, it depends on on the occasion, I think I've, I've watched, I think Ballon d'Or or, or FIFA Best, and they show the highlights for each player. Mm. And, and some, it's I think the year Marta won, it was just her taking a few penalties. <laughs> so that's showcasing <laughs> any degree of her skill. That's yeah. that's just hey, she took some penalties. Um, so I, you know, I, I still think that just the, the the lack of coverage and the lack of what is readily available then goes on. To, to hamper how how you show these players, whereas if you've got Messi or Mbappe or Ronaldo or anyone, you you've got so many highlights to choose from. Whereas women's football, you might just get a picture of the player. Yeah, at, at worst. So it's, yeah, you it's, touched on that briefly about the whole martyr situation. And I feel like within women's comp- like with awards, it's always the player that's always well known. They just put someone in, they think, all right, they'll know Marta, they'll know Megan Rapinoe because of the Women's World Cup but with women's games as you said we don't get to see a lot of players like in the men's game recently we had a new runner-up this year uh, in Virgil van Dijk and that's because the men's game is so in our face it's all over TVs global coverage do you think that because there's not enough coverage of the women's games that there's not enough insight onto who people could actually vote for? Uh, absolutely and you don't <clears throat> in in women's football you tend not to have the, the journalists that have that that sort of overarching idea of what's going on everywhere in the world you know so we say with the truncated uh, Champions League as is you can lean on that but you're not going to have as, as intimate knowledge of what's going on in their competition as you would the men's and trying to have a, a feel for what's going on in different leagues around the world when you generally if you're a journalist you cover your home league or you have a bit of an idea of what goes on here or there yeah. So trying to then if you're if you only cover NWSL, trying to evaluate players that oh you watched England that one time so that player must be good for her yeah. her league club and it's it's all a bit of a guessing game all a bit of a I remember something and oh I know her <laughs> it's 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 not brilliant the way that we do it at the minute. Do you do you honestly think though that it's more of a popularity contest because when Megan Rapinoe was announced this year everyone said well she does great stuff off the pitch you know with her political stance and all that but was she the best player of the year it, it depends on which specific award because some 
do do say you know it's it's for the the whole player both on and off the pitch um and i i think it was it was a good year for megan rapino in terms of the political and taking a stance and giving it an, and having that bigger platform and i think sometimes when you look at the shortlist for some of these awards and you think okay well the best player of the year is none of them but hey if you give megan rapino um uh, a soapbox to stand on she's going to say the best stuff so <laughs> then it's almost like okay well that's she's the best of the worst even though in football terms she had a pretty not brilliant year so mm. it's 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 just, it's a very strange one because um she's clearly just been nominated on the strength of her world cup because she's barely played any league football this year but if you actually look at her World Cup, she scored some penalties again. Really, yeah. really, you know, cool, calm, collected. A lot of stuff going on off the pitch because the, um, the video that went viral that she filmed in sort of February talking about not going to the White House. Mm-hmm. But if you actually assess her performances on the pitch as a footballer for, for the US team as they, they, they won the World Cup, she wasn't their best player. And she wasn't their best player by a long, long way, because you could actually see she was struggling with an injury. She she was a long way below her actual ability. Mm. So it just makes less and less sense when you say, well, she's been the player of the year. Mm. Like, not in football terms. No, you watched football. <laughs> so it's, yeah, and I think any year you have a major tournament, that factors. And people will watch that and they'll say, well, Megan Rapinoe must be great for a league club or Rose Lavelle must be great for a league club or you know Alex Morgan as well as long as she's playing Thailand every week must be fantastic <laughs> but it's it, and it's a problem that we, we you know we constantly have and I, th- I think also with um, the American players as well with the NWSL because there's um, you know the the international calendar kind of conflicts quite a bit with the NWSL so although Megan Rapino, you're I mean you're quite right she <laughs> didn't really do an awful lot for her club but at the same time um, the fact that the season runs concurrently with the World Cup in the NWSL probably means that she's not really able to none of those American players are, are really able to have brilliant seasons for club and country because the the two kind of um, calendars just don't really coexist I am um, but I, I wanted to pick up a bit more on the whole like the off pitch part of it and I think Su- uh, Susie Rack wrote I, I thought a fairly persuasive piece about why she thought Megan Rapino deserved to win it um, and I think I think particularly in the women's game where there's not as much coverage actually it's probably fair that things like that come into it um, and it's not just on pitch and actually if you think about women's football in 2019 there's an excellent chance that Megan Rapino is the first player who jumps into your head yeah. um, so do you, do you think it is at all fair to take yes. that kind of um, platform influence because I, I think I'm right in saying in the Ballon d'Or they do take that into account quite, quite specifically do, do you think that's fair or do you think we should just purely be judging by on the pitch I think it, it, it depends on your odds if you've got say the Ballon d'Or and, and, and that you can oh well this is about the whole player this is about the impact on football over this over this period of time that's that's fine but at some point you've got you go down the list and you say well one of these awards I think should be about football and only about football I think because that's only 
only fair if you are evaluating football yeah yeah and I, I think also in your kind of in your previous answer you referenced how there aren't a lot of journalists who are or able to be even across the game globally but some of these awards are voted for by players as well and yeah. they obviously have the same challenges um, and I wanted to I, I know this is something you and I have discussed before that actually a lot of the players don't watch women's football um, and I wanted to reference some comments from Steph Horton recently she was on Jamie Carragher's podcast and you know she said look to be honest I don't break my neck to watch a women's game when it's on now it might be slightly more difficult for her because she tends to be playing herself when like WSL games are on, for example. But she did say specifically, if it's on, I won't make a huge effort. Whereas if there's like a big Champions League game or a big Premier League game in the men's, I, I make a big effort to watch it. Um, I mean, first of all, she she got some criticism, I think unfairly for those comments. Yeah, very um, unfair. What what was your response first of all to those comments, and then Sophie, like how that plays into who wins these awards as well when players are involved in voting? Oh, I've, I've got I've got to be nice about this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I having looked over the <laughs> results of, of who votes for who, well, I think it's like the FIFA Best Award because you you do um you do manager and you do captain mm. and for a few years of watching and seeing who who Steph has, has voted for there you, you kind of already know that she doesn't watch a lot of women's football um, mm. purely from, from the way she votes because mm. it is that, that, that skill of oh I played her a couple of years ago and she was really tough or you know, it's that kind of thing. It it it, it feels a lot more like um, reputation. Like it comes into it, or or you know, if you're if you're talking about the the global game, it is that one time England played them, or this, that, or the other. So it it wasn't a huge surprise when when she came out and said that. I think it's it it is tough, and you know, WSL games almost all of them. She said they're on Sunday. They're all about the same time. Mm-hmm. And I think on on your day off, maybe you want that that chance. If if women's football does pop up, you know maybe you're not that interested. Maybe you do just want to unwind. And and men's football is is everywhere all the time. Um, so it's I think it's 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 fine for her to 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 not watch as long as as I think is the way her words were, were used was a yeah. bit. It was a bit bit of a twist in them um with, with i think some of the outrage about oh well she said this but it was more of a uh, i think a misunderstanding of what could be a potential uh, assumption about her meaning if that makes sense yeah yeah it it definitely does and um i you know that so this is an arsenal podcast right so we're going to turn the lens a little bit on, onto arsenal here <laughs> Uh, because something that that certainly discussed a lot amongst Arsenal fans, and, and I think actually a little bit more widely, people who just watch the WSL um, quite often, is the fact that Vivian Miedema doesn't get anywhere near these awards. Well, that that's maybe a slight exaggeration, but um, she's never kind of seriously considered as as a proper contender. And if you're talking about 
um, achievements in 2019. Um, she scored 53 goals for club and country, won the league title, uh, one player of the year, broke the record for the most amount of goals scored in a WSL season, broke um, her goal, broke the goal scoring record for her country, aged 22. Um, she actually did that at a World Cup as well when lots of people were watching. And, you know, it's, it's often said that a lot of these um, awards are dictated by how people do in international tournaments, which... Uh, which, which kind of makes sense, but at the same time, Vivian Miedema and the Netherlands did get to the final, and she scored, you know, she scored three goals during the tournament from open play. I don't, I don't think anyone would say she was her, at her absolute best, but she was very far from a ghost at that tournament. As, as someone who isn't an Arsenal fan, Sophie, do you think that she is? Um, do you think that she's unfairly overlooked when it comes to things like the Ballon d'Or and the FIFA Best and the FIFA World Pro 11, which she didn't even get into? I I think it's really hard to argue with those stats. Um, <laughs> um, but I, 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 I think if you're looking at women's football on a global stage and you say, this player got in, this one didn't. And if you're talking about what she's done in WSL, I think then it, it comes around to, do the people who vote there, do the people who nominate there think about WSL? Do they do they have a context for it? And, and then you start to question, well, you know, she did get to the World Cup final. Maybe she wasn't the Netherlands' most effervescent player, but she, as you said, she wasn't a ghost. I think and that, that when you look at Miedemar and, and sort of the last five years of her career you look at the way she come up it came up when she was in her teens i i, I hate to phrase it like this but i don't think she uh is as charismatic uh, as people w- would want for her to to, to to win these awards so you kind of look at a megan rapino or sam kerr or alex morgan or Marta or someone like that and they kind of have that much more general crowd appeal Whereas I think Miedemar can be seen as a little bit, um, uh, not necessarily standoffish, but maybe a little bit awkward or not quite, oh, you know. I, I think like if you, if you talk to like Arsenal fans as well, they might say, oh, they prefer uh, Dan Van der Donk or, or whatever. Whereas I think if you get talking to, to Viv, you'll find out that she is actually a really charismatic player. Mm. It's yeah. just it's her personality is so different. I think it it doesn't work in her favour, which is probably a good thing that she doesn't really care about personal awards. I mean, does she say that she doesn't care about awards or does she just shrug it off as she doesn't care? Because I feel like she does care. Everyone who's an athlete should have that care because everyone's competitive that plays some type of sport, especially in football. And I feel like she does care and she doesn't want to change her charismatic, change her character to become like other people that win individual awards or am I completely wrong I mean I think Tim's probably interviewed her at length and probably has a better idea but I think you can want to be the best footballer in the world you can want to sort of be be the best in your league score all the goals do everything for your country show your versatility and your virtuosity but be aware that these types of awards aren't necessarily going to reflect that Mm. So I, I think, you know, you can sort of be in pursuit of being a better player, 
whilst saying oh, I, I'll never win that that doesn't matter that is that's an in- insignificant thing it, you know as long as I know I'm pushing myself I'm better you know but wouldn't you want to get awarded for that what do you do it all for though I know you want your team to win you want to win trophies surely you want to win individual awards as well um I, I think you can probably quantify it in what you achieve uh, uh, together as a team and I think if you look at Arsenal last season with 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 the injuries, the, the, the fact that they still got over the line to, to to win the title, or the the fact that you know the team is back in the Champions League, I think you can sort of set yourself goals or do things for, for the team and still think you're pushing yourself and and, and achieving, mm. even if someone isn't saying, yeah, you were the best of the year. Yeah, I I think. Um... I think you touch on um, a really interesting point, Sophie, when you say you speak to her, you realise that she is actually very charismatic and um, that just because she's quite... I mean, we discussed this on our last podcast. She's quite contradictory in that she's quite introverted, but she's also, like, very outspoken. Um, You know, like I'll quote exactly verbatim because she did in about 10 words what she said when I asked her about being left out of the FIFA Pro World 11 of the year she said everyone knows it's a popularity contest I don't go on Twitter and Instagram uh, very much I don't give a shit about individual awards but I think it's a joke and those kind of last two sentences I think really show you her character in that I, I completely um I completely believe her when she says she doesn't really care and actually I th- I I think like people almost ask her now um almost like as a kind of party trick because it's like go on Viv tell us how much you don't care again we really like it when you do that and um but actually I I think you're quite right and I I think this is probably like a wider discussion about um I think there's like a bias against introverts right we we tend to value as a society we we value extroverts more and um, this is not to downplay because I've got all the time in the world for Megan Rapinoe I really do and everything she says and everything she's achieved but it's 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 like slightly easier to vote for the purple haired um, woman who's really really good at giving speeches and you know is like fantastic in front of the cameras and and a really good player and does like iconic celebrations and and then you've got Viv who's just like um, like I say like very outspoken and actually but but you do realise she is very interesting. She is, I think, a big character, but just in a completely different and possibly unmedia-friendly way. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's that that, that uh, that's about fair and, and, and right, really. And that it's I it's hard to imagine. Say, if she won the the FIFA Best or the Ballon d'Or or whatever, her sort of coming up and giving uh, a good speech that you know sort of is is as rousing as one Megan Rapinoe would give or as you know as reactionary as, as <coughs> the one you know, the type that we've seen Marta give mm. you know as, as emotive so it, which is which is which is a great shame and it's just a weird way of quantifying footballers yeah 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 I think you're right and 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 I kind of think people um, as well I, I you know I think I think it goes in all professions and in all kind of areas of society actually that we we kind of we gravitate towards um, you know the extroverts um, as characters and we, and we see more value in those um, Sophie I want to kind of take the discussion in a slightly different uh, direction 
to wrap up. Um, you wrote quite an interesting article um, a few weeks ago about the Conti Cup, and we've got we've got the quarterfinals coming up now, um, and I I just wanted to get your kind of your thousand foot view on the Conti Cup, whether it's still a worthwhile pursuit in the women's game and if so whether the current format where you have the group stages which let's be honest are a bit of a chore um, <laughs> and even the quarterfinals not uh, you know we all know who the semi-finalists are going to be right and and i suppose that's just the inequality that's at the heart of, of the women's game but do you think that the conti cup is still a worthwhile pursuit and if so um, do you think that the current format does it justice and is it possible to come up with a format that could do it justice um, I honestly can't remember what I wrote now um, but, um, <laughs> it's been a long year uh, it's, it's interesting because I think the majority of journalists you talk to just would be so happy to see the Conti Cup gone uh, they, they, have, they just don't care the coverage on it is, 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 is so bad you know you look at the the, um, the attendance numbers for Conti Cup games, they're not brilliant. So it, it it's almost that it's quite a hard sell to fans. But then when you talk to the players, and I think that's sort of the the, the point is we we miss a few times with the competition is the second tier players. Yes, some get absolutely trounced, but they still talk about the the, the value of the the competition. That they can get those extra games uh, against a, a top a top team, you know, it's just and even say um, you know WSL teams because they can rotate, they can those peripheral players will get a chance. Um, so you know you'll get development squad players coming in. So I think when you talk to the players, they they like it, they're in favour of it because for some it's ju- it's just more game time and it's it's more more chance to to put into practice things off the field and say if you lose a league game and you can get straight back in with with a Conti Cup game and maybe there's not quite so much jeopardy but you can try and put things right immediately but um the the current format it's it's not brilliant and I think that for the I mean not just the fact that you've got lopsided groups so I think there was Manchester United Manchester City Everton Mm. Leicester and Birmingham City in one group, I think. Yeah. Um, which is ridiculous because what 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 good is that ever going to do Leicester City? Um, other than just sort of reducing the number of WSL teams in in the next round, that's mm. that that's a really really tough one for Leicester. It's a hard sell. Um, but it, I think you need to sort of look at what is feasible in terms of who will play who so one gets a good number of teams uh, against matches against uh, top tier or, or bottom tier or second tier I should say and when you're you're scheduling your matches because all the all these part-time tier, uh, teams in the second tier trying to get to evening games after a full day of work um, you know rushing rushing to the the, the, the team bus you know an hour before they're actually due to finish work so they can get to wherever they need to be that doesn't work you're not going to get a good game if you've got players coming in after a full day of work or leaving half your team at home because they couldn't travel because they were at work or or, Mm -hmm. or whatever I think that 
is 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 a huge huge problem with uh, the the current format, and it needs to be looked at. So maybe you're only playing weekend games, and and how everything balances out, and what you can do to maybe not make it you know fairer for for the second tier teams, but to give them more of a more of a chance so they can put out a better team if they have the opportunity. She sleeps hot, even when the weather outside is frightful. Jack Frost here likes it cool. Introducing the new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed. Now temperature balancing, so you can sleep better together. But will it keep me asleep? Yes. It intelligently senses your movements and automatically adjusts to keep you both effortlessly comfortable. Will I have more energy for holiday shopping? Does Rudolph have a red nose? It's the final days to save up to $700 on new Sleep Number 360 Smart Beds, plus special financing. Ends Thursday. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, very much so. And and Pippa, to wrap up, um, I believe you're going to ask a question about the WSL title race. Oh yes, I mean it's been it's been really tight recently, and it still is quite tight. But who who do you have your money on? Let's say like who, what do you how do you reckon it's going to go down to the wire towards the end of the season? Um, <laughs> I, I I don't know. Um, I I think if if Sam Kerr just slots right into that Chelsea team then they're going to be very tough to beat because mm-hmm. I think the one the one weakness they might have is is that their occasional inability to score goals I think if you've got Sam Kerr if you've got Beth England if you've got Frank Kirby not injured you know you've got G you're yeah. going to score goals and and Sam Kerr we think is, is going to is going to just score a lot of goals in this league so that I think will will play into into Chelsea's favour and the fact that they're not in the Champions League, so they don't have those odd extra couple of games here and there. Yeah, that maybe will stretch a sw- a smaller squad like Arsenal's. Yeah, um, but I, I think I think Chelsea might might just have it this year. Yeah, they could but... possibly nick it, and I and like and the the recent game against Man City where they just managed to get the win. Just and I was going to ask you about Sam Kerr as well, and that's obviously going to add so much quality to their team and so as an Arsenal fan we've got to be weary now because I really feel like Chelsea could nick it coming down to the end of the wire I think I think the, the, the worry with Arsenal is if you get an injury or two because Joe does like those smaller squads and you know as you saw last season you can't really afford those, those injuries um because I think that the, the team is still playing, you know, good football. There's that that sort of the, the, the first half of last season where it was it, it was just liquid. I think we've, you can still see bits of that when you watch Arsenal play, but there are games that it's it's so laborious mm. and it, it's so hard for the team to sort of get going and just find those those passages of play. So I think maybe Arsenal are that a little bit more likely to drop points. I, 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 I wouldn't put money on anything 
Yeah, that's fair. I, I think what's really interesting about the title race is you've got um, it, it's going to be the, the games, the top three play against one another. Man City yeah. have lost both their games but against Chelsea and Arsenal, but they've both been away. So they've got them both at home in the second half of the season. Chelsea have won those games against City and Arsenal, but have had them both at home. So they've got to go mm-hmm. away to both teams. And then you've got Arsenal who, who completely straddle, who've beaten Man City at home, lost to Chelsea away. So they've got another home and away game. And that's that's a really interesting dynamic. And um, just, just to kind of finish, Sophie, we, we talked about um, Sam Kerr coming into the league. And obviously th- I, this was always going to happen it's created a debate about um, salary caps in the WSL because Sam Kerr is a huge marquee signing possibly the biggest marquee signing we've seen in this country certainly in the age of professionalism to take a player at the top of her game at her peak you know playing in the states and taking her to England is is a massive massive statement from Chelsea and obviously it's going to cost them quite a bit of money to do it um and, and obviously that, that then brings uh, the subject of the salary cap up. Should we get rid of it so that we can get more players like Sam Kerr? But then, you know, how does that contribute to the already pretty stark inequality in the league? What's your view on um, on the kind of the salary cap and, and whether it should be altered so that more players like Sam Kerr can come into the league? I think it's a really nice idea in theory. Um, it, it's... <laughs> I think that the whole reason it's in place that maybe people aren't aren't fully aware of is that the um, the, the main bulk of what a, a, a club bring in goes back into the infrastructure, and it's it's the idea is uh, for the sustainability of the sport, so that a club is is putting money back in before they're spending money on on players and, and lavish salaries, which is is you know is fair, and I think I think and I. I think from memory, and I might be a little bit wrong. Uh, so I do apologise if I am. It was something that the um, the FA saw put in place because they'd seen what had happened in um, the US with the league folding a few times. Mm. So they thought, well, how can we make sure our league is, is stronger and doesn't fold? So it, it's it's a great idea, but what we're seeing with with different teams, obviously they're bringing in different amounts of money because some teams are are more commercially viable, some just get bigger gates. But there are certain loopholes in the in the current current way of doing things, so that teams can just then pour in money from from the men's side to sort of beef up what they've got coming in, so they can spend more money on players already. So it, it unfortunately doesn't really work in practice because there are ways for teams to get around it, which then just pushes more inequality. Mm. Um, so I, I think. If you if you did away with it, you have to hope that that teams are sensible enough that they're not spending all their money on players and they are putting it back into the club as well. So I think you need the responsibility from from clubs if you were to scrap it. But I, it's kind of there in a flimsy way, not not the most steadfast of things uh, as it is right now. Yeah, yeah, because when the WSL was created, they had a salary cap where I believe the rule was that the salary cap was £20,000 a year, but you had four players who could earn more. Um, And what that did was promoted a big spread of the quality around the league. So Arsenal, for example, hemorrhaged a lot of players because... Um, someone like Ellen White, for example, wasn't in Arsenal's top four earners, but she could go to Notts County 
and be one of their top four earners and therefore earn 30,000 a year instead of 20,000 a year. And, and that promoted a lot of uh, a, a much better spread of quality in the league. And you had players, uh, sorry, teams like Bristol City actually challenging to win the thing. Um, that was kind of changed on the sly a couple of years ago when they made it about revenue. And, and as you say, Arsenal are definitely a team who exploits that loophole. But I guess with the inequality discussion, it's how much do you focus on the teams at the bottom of the WSL? And then what Chelsea are clearly doing right now is they've got their eyes on Leon because that is a big inequality at the top of the yeah. European game where Leon are walking the Champions League every year. And Chelsea, I think, are throwing down that that's who they're looking at at the moment. So they're you know obviously they're not focused on like Everton and Bristol City in the WSL they're focused on Leon and I guess they would argue that they're trying to eliminate that kind of inequality by by creating more competition um, at the top of the European game and 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 obviously Leon's dominance is not a great thing for a competition like the Champions League right it's um, I, I don't know how frank I can be um, <clears throat> As much as I, I really respect what Leon do, and um, you know, it's not a thing that they've just instantly poured money in and hey, presto, they've got a team. It's been a work in progress for a long, long time, and it's the entire <clears throat> it's the entire culture around the team now, and it is somewhere that players will rave about being because of the atmosphere, because of the training environments. So I think if if clubs are trying to emulate or better. Leon, they need to understand that it is a gradual process and it is about having that, that big competitive team. But I I personally, as someone who covers women's football, um Frank, I'm bored of watching Leon win the Champions mm. League. Yeah. I, I was gutted when Barcelona got absolutely taken apart in, in, in Budapest because of their own inexperience. You know, and and I when I watch Wolfsburg go up against Lyon, and Wolfsburg are usually at the worst point of their season when they play Lyon, and they invariably lose. I'm thinking there's got to be can someone step up, make this more interesting. So you know, it, I think you've got to be aware of, of the the overall game, but know that it takes time. You can't just sign Sam Kerr, win the league, then win the Champions League. You need a, a, a like incredibly firm foundations you need a really really deep squad to compete and and you need a, a mentality that and I, I say a lot that that if you compare Lyon to any team it's it's the US women's team mm. because they've just got this this savage mentality that they could be winning 1-0 they could be winning 10-0 it doesn't matter they are always trying to score they're always just ruthless on high alert i don't think that's necessarily a mentality that other teams preach, which is you know, maybe where you see these 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 gaps opening up. So I think to beat Lyon, it's not just about having the most expensive squad. Mm. It's everything. And and I don't think a lot of teams have that particular infrastructure. Yeah, yeah, and, and thinking back to when Arsenal won it in two thousand and seven, um Arsenal weren't the best team in Europe when they won it. They actually got quite a bit of luck. But what had happened was they'd been to the semi-finals, quarter-finals, five, six years in a row. They mm -hmm. were experienced in the competition. They'd gone deep. 
plenty of times they'd gone close a few times and then one year it just fell for them um and and i think you're right and and actually i I don't think chelsea are under any illusions um about that and if arsenal and man city if this creates a bit of an arms race um i don't think arsenal and man city will be either but um it's it's certainly going to be fascinating to see how it all pans out um anyway sophie i think we've kept you um enough time now uh thank you so much for your time um and for your insights um it's been a real pleasure oh uh, thanks for having me and you can follow sophie on twitter and you should um at lawson (laughs) underscore sv um i can't think of anyone who has uh, a better knowledge of the you know the women's game as like as globally um as sophie Mm. does um and honestly she has more bylines than i can have than i've got time to mention here so do 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 follow sophie if you don't already um pippa and i will be back with another arsenal women Askcast next month we have that locked down and arranged um we were going to talk to some guys from arsenal.com who cover the arsenal women um unfortunately we did plan to speak to them the week that arsenal appointed Mikel <laughs> arteta which meant that they were too busy to do it so we've put it off till next month but uh, <laughs> right, exactly exactly we we looked for a hole in the calendar when uh, the arsenal men or women weren't actually playing and it just happened to be the week that arsenal appointed a new manager so that's mm-hmm. on the shelf for you for january but pippa and i will be back with that next month in the meantime Thanks so much for joining us and we'll speak to you in January. season treat yourself treat yourself to candy celebrate the holiday season with the holiday crush they've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun packed challenges every week for five whole weeks finishing on january 4th the more challenges you complete the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards so are you ready to crush the holidays play the holiday crush now download it from the app store google play or windows store for free terms and conditions apply